0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, and this is the Wigan Athletic versus Newcastle United preview. I'm going to be joined very shortly by Wigan Athletic fan Chris, who's going to give us the lowdown on all things Wigan Athletic. Uh, Just made a night, so there'll not be any uh, preview between me and one of the other lads of the game. There's there's no need, really. Um, We're absolutely mint on Saturday. We'll now play Wigan, who are in the relegation zone, and Burton Albion, who are either in it or or not far outside it. Um, I'm not sure we've got to be looking at six points. I think we'll get six points. And that'll set us up really well for a cracking Boxing Day fixture against Sheffield Wednesday. Team team selection-wise, I think this game he plays he plays Gale, he plays the same team. We'll know what he's like, you know, there's a chance Yedlin might come in, although I thought Anita was very good. There's also a chance Lazar, he kind of brought him on at the end of the last game, he might get a run. But I really see um, Diame and Gale, after being so su- uh, successful on Saturday, getting the run out in Wigan and let's not forget this is a venue which many of us have deeply unhappy memories from I think I've been I want to say five times and I saw one win which was the 1-0 uh, shoulder under Pardew quite soon in the Pardews reign and alongside that you know, we've had Ryan Taylor scoring numerous free kicks against us we've had Haidara and Callum McManaman there uh, we've had uh, Alan Shearer scored a goal there I think 2006 or seven um an equalizer or, or or the first goal i can't remember what, when the ball was miles over the line um we've had nobby solano miss a pen at nil-nil it's just been an absolute terrible place and anyone who's been to the um soccer dome bar will um attest to that no idea whether it's still there or not it's been a little while since we've been down to wigan um so th- you know thanks for listening i'm going to bring chris in um, pretty much straight away follow us on twitter at tf thanks for all the nice comments about the rafa benitez podcast um me and Cy are going to get our heads together and and, and think about doing another one because there's probably some stuff we're left out that we'll kind of talk it through and see if there's if there's enough there to to do another podcast um and obviously we'll also have uh, a post match one after Wigan coming up uh we're all going well four of us are going to the game uh, driving there and back so we'll have one out pretty much straight after the match um and it'll be quite quite different than most Wigan's because most of you will see it on TV and then at the end of it I'm going to speak to a Burton fan this week Probably tomorrow I'll stick the Burton chat on with the Burton fan At the end of the Wigan uh, post-match review Because I can't be bothered to do about Five podcasts in the space of a week uh, So thanks for listening And I'm going to bring in Chris So I'm joined now on the phone um, by Chris Fan of Wigan Athletic Chris thanks very much for joining us Will you be at the game on Wednesday?
2: I won't unfortunately um, I actually live over in Halifax All right. So Midweek home games are a bit of a struggle anyway Because the missus works in Leeds And by the time she's got home from work It's not worth me setting over the M62 Can be chaos so at the best of times Secondary, she also has to travel a lot with work So right. she's away in Glasgow on Wednesday night So I'm at home with the kids But I will be watching it on the sky
1: I was going to say it's it's on telly Which is a bit weird Because I think there's Premier League games this week But never mind <laughs> um, Yeah, it's um, how How is this fixture being perceived by Wigan fans? Is it a is it a game that 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 the fans are kind of up for, or does your position in the league dictate that it's actually quite a, a bad fixture to have because you need the points?
2: I think. It's, I think, in some respects, we've probably written it off already. Is not going to get anything, right. <laughs> especially with the way you you've been playing and the way we've been playing recently. We're struggling, uh, struggling to keep clean sheets, and I think we're possibly the lowest scorers in the league. I think I've seen something doing the rounds on Twitter yesterday that. White Gale scored the same amount of goals we have on his own <laughs> so uh, I think generally it's being viewed with a bit of trepidation I think we're going to be able to hide it to nothing
1: Fair enough and uh, I suppose that brings me naturally on to how has it gone so far did you expect to be well first of all did you expect to have to change the manager was was he a popular manager and was this season all about survival?
2: Yeah I think coming up the, the first thing is to stay up um, over the summer Initially it was, we should be able to do alright, not that we wouldn't struggle, because I think we always expected to be, at least in the bottom eight or nine teams in the division, but we thought that we can keep the team together and and, uh, get that bounce that you tend to get with a squad that's come up, they're a bit of an unknown quantity, and um, they've they've had that um, season of playing together, and winning games week in, week out, to win the league and come up, and you think, well, we might do alright. But um, Jason Pearce, who was centre half, who played him and Morgan, Chris Morgan, Chris Morgan, and um, Craig Morgan, sorry, played in it. I think I don't think they lost a game when they played together at centre half last season. I know it's a division below, but they they were a solid centre back pairing. And Jason Pearce ended up going in the summer, and we didn't seem to get a settled defence, settled back four going from the start of the season. And I think that's been our problem. Initially, it's been keeping keeping uh, clean sheets and we've not done it. And then, for some reason, one way or the other, we don't seem to be scoring goals
1: like we were last season. Yeah, and do you, do you think changing the manager was the right thing? I think the rest of the football world were a little bit shocked. And I know it's, um, you know, fans of their own clubs know much better than kind of outsiders, but everyone kind of thought, you know, Caldwell was a good young manager. You got your back up at the first attempt, allegedly playing some good football. Um, and, and everyone was I, I was a bit shocked that you, you decided to switch so soon it wasn't like you were Rotherham cut a, cut a drift no. um, d- did you think it was the right call at the time? No and I don't. I think
2: a lot of people didn't think it was, there was there's always this where you get a small group of people who are sacking the manager sacking the manager Facebook or Twitter or you? and the, uh, the chairman our chairman is on Twitter himself <laughs> so he probably gets a lot of messages in that, in that regard the other thing was we, we weren't Entirely sure when it happened that that it was his decision. It, it right. sort of smacked of a wheeling decision rather than a, a David Sharp decision. More than anything, we up until that point, well, up until the Reading game, which was the second game after Caldwell had gone. We hadn't really been battered. We hadn't been outplayed. We hadn't, um, we hadn't lost heavily. There was a lot of games where it was very tight, and we'd lost by the odd goal and things like you yeah, a crossbar. And you think, well, if that one goes in, and we and we equalise, we could go on to win a game, or and and. It always early on in the season we were conceding quite play, quite a few, but but scoring quite freely. There was complaints about those um, not being tight enough at the back. We sort of seemed to have sorted that out generally, and when when we're doing a lot better defensively, but then struggling to score. But um, it always it looked, or it, there was always that feeling of it, it will click at some point, and we will do all right. And then next thing you know, he's, he's been sacked.
1: And the lads, who's replaced him, whose name escaped? I'm sorry, I did look it up. Um, it was, no, it's
2: all right. Warren Joyce. Warren Joyce. You, it was. Yeah. A,
1: it was. I'll put it to you. It was a strange. I, I don't know anything about him. But normally, if you look at Cardiff for the probably the blueprint, a team that were almost level on points with you, possibly at the time, and they um, they sacked their kind of young manager who'd been an assistant at the club, had an affinity with the club, but they brought um, in Neil Warnock, so they were kind of saying, "Ah, well, we don't want to sack." sacked the manager because we're like him he could be a good manager he did a good job at Bristol but we're going to bring in someone who knows how to keep teams in the championship Where you kind of went the other way and you brought in is it this guy's first managerial job at senior level? Yeah I and
2: mean, then this was the, the other thing sort of there was um, when it when <coughs> when Carlwell was sacked and then and then the appointed Joyce it was in the press for about a week and there's been strong rumours since that um because obviously we, I mentioned earlier about Dave Whelan and we think that Dave Whelan had his hand in it. He's he's famously, uh, or he, he likes to talk about the fact that um, he speaks to Alex Ferguson a lot. <laughs> and, and there's this Man United connection. There's also um, Ryan Giggs was linked with it at one point and Gary Neville were both linked with the job. And it, there's strong rumours that they both turned it down. And then, and then we've gone for this Joyce, who's in charge of the under-23s. And the worry was that he's never really had any experience of, of the pressure of being... First team coach. It's, it's obviously he'd have been under some pressure at Man United managing a, a youth team to produce players that that could make the step up and what have you. Or they've, they've got to get results, but it's not the same. It's not the same sort of pressure, is it? Especially coming into a struggle a club like ours that's struggling.
1: It's also the volume of games. I don't know about Man United under twenty threes, but Newcastle youth groups play like one game a week, <laughs> if that yeah. sometimes and. I know as a fan, and you're probably a bit more used to it. Over the last couple of years, since since you came down and going to League One, this league even as a fan, it's exhausting. Um, going to them, well, we, we go to nearly nearly every game, and it's it's like once international breaks come around, you think, God, I'm pleased with a breather. And I mean, we played three games in five days last week with with having Forest on the Friday, the League quarter final. I mean, I woke up, having driven back from Hull, thinking I'm absolutely knackered here. Imagine how the players feel after extra time. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it is a strange one that the. I mean, like again, I use the Cardiff comparison. My Cardiff, I'm no fan of Neil Warnock really, but he, I, I think he'll keep them up, and they were impressive when they came to St James's in terms of their organisation and for for well, what you've just said there is an insight to the Man United thing and Ferguson and Whelan but it just seemed like a, biz, a bizarre decision. Has um, Has Joyce made any positive impact on the team? Do you think? Uh, that's still up for debate. There doesn't seem to be. Any, any um, like like you say, Warner went into Cardiff and, and he seemed to have a couple of decent results. We we don't seem to have had that. He came in and his first game in charge. Obviously, he'd only been managed
2: to he'd only been on the training ground with him for a couple of days. We played Reading at home and, and we, we were three 0 down, two 0 down after about fifteen minutes. And the players looked like they were all over the place. It, it was sort of like they were confused over how they were supposed to be playing. He'd come in and tried to change things, and whether he tried to change too much in two days for them to take in. <laughs> deal with it on a Saturday. I don't know, but um, we were all we were all over the place. And I think it was Max Power at the time when Caldwell was sacked. It was like he was on his Twitter saying, I, "I'm gutted, he's gone," and this and the other. And, and we t- we talked about the fact that Caldwell was a young manager, and I suppose in some some respects he's not that much older than uh, than some of the players he was managing. He was playing not too long ago. He was probably more like a mate to him a lot of the time throughout the the course of last season. And it and it was probably that that helped in some respects, the camaraderie of that that, that that came from that that helps put that side into a, into a, a winning run, run results and win the league but we don't seem to have, have had the effect of the bounce I, it's, it feels it feels very similar to when Ivey Rosler was sacked and then they brought Mackay in Marky Mackay, we didn't see any positive from him coming in at all, despite the fact that everything else that was going on outside of the football pitch with Mackay at the time there was no no upturn in anything on the pitch the football didn't get any better we didn't get better defensively we've not seen that sort of new manager bounce as they call it
1: yeah and uh, I mean obviously you said at the start of the show that survival was always there and it's, it's got to be survival at the moment I mean Rotherham have taken one place which makes it a little bit easier do you think there are or two other worse sides than you in the division from what you've seen so far?
2: I wouldn't say there's there's two worse sides than us at the minute I think I think I I said like earlier on we we hadn't been battered or outplayed massively by anyone up until recently and I still think even when we came up in the summer the squad that we had and I looked up and down the the squads in the division by yourselves that have come down and Villa uh, has obviously um, got a lot of Premier League level players you managed to keep hold of them Um, you've made decent signings for this level Get, get Gale is a fantastic striker at this level. Um, there weren't many teams up and down the division that I thought, well, it really causes a lot of problems or we couldn't com- at least compete with. And I still don't think there is a lot of teams in the division that we couldn't compete with on a, on a given day. It's just when you get in that rut of losing every week or by the odd goal, you get to a point where you run out of games to be able to do anything about it. Yeah. And it, it round even if it's snatching a win somewhere and even then when, when we beat Huddersfield the other week um even then that it still felt like a bit of a fluke result in that they had a couple of Stormwall penalty shots turned down if they'd have been given and scored we might well have ended up losing that game despite the fact that we were scoring goals for fun on on the break against them.
1: That was one of the th- I saw that I saw that game it was the first time I've seen women this season and obviously, I had Wednesday's game in mind. So that's probably the reason I watched it. Uh, yeah. it two things uh, kind of caught my mind, uh, caught my eye. Number one, how much pace you had on the break. I thought, how have you not picked up more results away from home? And clinical. I mean, you missed a couple of chances. Actually, or, or, or failed to take advantage of some promising situations. You actually could have scored more. But also, how yeah. easy it was for the opposition to get the ball in the box. You had Huddersfield players just kind of running unchallenged and kind of getting to the edge of the box and there was a lot of last-minute defending. So you looked... Yeah. Uh, I, I did find it strange to, to, for A, how have you not picked up more hammerings, but B, also, uh, at least away from home when you've got a bit more space to play, um, you did look very dangerous on the counter-attack. Is that something that's just happened recently or, or is that just uh, is that a, a facet of your play? Um, it, it seems to be the way Joyce has said that he wants to set up away from home. A lot of us don't feel like we're strong enough defensively to be able to play
2: like that every week or every away game and be able to produce results wild shot uh, who, who scored the two goals and uh, set the other one up um fantastic pace um he seems to want to play in through the middle rather than out wide a lot of play a lot of teams got wise to him after seeing what he did last year early on in the season and when he was playing left wing um, and were doubling up on him and sort of nullifying him a bit Through the middle, he didn't. The Uddersfield didn't seem to know how to deal with him. Now, part of it for me was that they played quite a high line, and
1: after the first goal, they didn't wake up and think, wait a minute, we need to drop off 10 15 metres here. They carried on doing it. Now, there'll not be many teams in the division this this season that'll make that same mistake two or three times. Yeah, and I mean, Wigan, we're top of the league and we're just, I mean, you probably didn't see much of our game against Burnham, but it it should have really been ten. We were very very wasteful, um, yeah. with a lot of chances and promising situations. It's not on complaining, but um, there's only one team really who've who've tried to take us on this season. Um, you know, have a right us, and that was QPR, and and we did them six nil. Um, uh, do you think that? But but we've also lost games. We've lost um, more games than a lot of teams in the top half of the division because we're just. Win, win, kind of six in a row, then lose one. Um, do you think that Joyce will set up for a, for a point and and maybe play like the away team and try and hit us on the counter?
2: I don't know. I don't know whether he feel that we can do it. It's it's strange because I, the other side of it is I don't think the fans will accept playing like that at all. Right. And under uh, going back to playing under Martinez, and Caldwell was obviously a student of Martinez, and he's he's of football, philosophy of football keeping the ball playing well um, and what have you pass it, passing it round a lot of the fans have got used to that watching that and at home at, home at weekend um, Derby took an early lead and we absolutely batted them now part of it was were they were happily sitting back and defending a 1-0 lead which was possibly part of it or mostly part of it but we had all the possession we had plenty of chances we at the bar like I mentioned earlier we at the bar if that, if that Gone in. There was a good ten or fifteen minutes left, I think, and we, we possibly could have gone on to win the game. Whether whether he'll think that he can try and defend against the, the sort of strength of your midfield and attack tomorrow and try and hit you on the break, I don't know. But oh, sorry, on Wednesday night it will be uh, it will be interesting.
1: I think one of the the. the... The best things going for Wigan. I don't even know if it's even relevant because they're, they're two totally different teams now with different players and managers. But I have awful memories of Wigan as a place. I don't have any anything against the town or the city or the people. But I think I've been, I think I said earlier on the podcast before you came on, um, I've been five or six times and we won one and lost five. And, you know, Ryan Taylor, free kicks. He scored that many free kicks against where we we'll had to sign him. Yeah. Um, and then. You know, Shira scored there when you first came up. When it was miles over the line, and um it didn't get given. And Jason Roberts scored the winner. And then I remember Solano missed a pen, and you won one 0 And then you had Callum McManaman against Hydara in one of the worst titles I've ever seen. We didn't get a free kick for it. Um, I mean, he incidentally, Haidara hasn't has never recovered from that. He's 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 still got knee problems now. Not I'm trying to make you feel bad. You didn't make, make the But no, no, no. But um, Newcastle's record against Wigan is is pretty poor, uh, full stop. I mean, we, we've sold out our away allocations, so I, I thought that might <clears> put a few people off, uh, plus it being on the telly. Um, but do, can you see, or do you want to give me a prediction, a hand-on-heart prediction, how you think it'll go? <laughs> I can't see anything other than us losing, which is a, it's a sad thing to say as a
2: Wigan fan, but I don't know. I do, we've got a good record of games when I, when I don't go.
1: <laughs> if I'm not there, I've missed I've missed some crackers. The, uh, the time we beat Man United one nil, right? I don't that. We
2: came back from two 0 down to beat Arsenal three two once. missed that. I've <laughs> missed <laughs> quite a few of what were decent games. You say about your record against us? It's it's your record against us here. Our record up at Saint James's Park is is sort of equally shocking in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, no, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you very much for the time, and hopefully we can speak. Yeah. Later on in the season for the the reverse fiction, woman. I wish you all, wish you all the best after after Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, you too. Cheers. So many thanks to Chris. There, I thought that was really really insightful. As every uh, away fan who's been on the podcast this season has been a home fan on this occasion. Um, we seem to have had a very a very knowledgeable set of lads on, and I uh, look forward to speaking later in the season. As I said earlier in the show, uh, we will be back to you in the car back on Wednesday night. Um, i have a feeling that the car park outside the dw is going to be a nightmare to get out of, so we'll have some time to do it uh, and then we'll be back um with you after burton um as, as i said the burton fan preview will be at the end of wednesday's podcast uh and then we're doing kind of a half season review um the week between burton and chef wed kind of a, pr- a christmas special um we'll put some twitter polls on about best game so far best player so far all that kind of stuff. I've imagined Norwich and Dwight Gale will feature in both of those polls quite heavily. So thanks for listening. Uh, This has been True Faith Podcast. I've been Alex Hurst. Uh, I'll speak to you soon.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.